0: Hi, I'm Adrian Tan, and this is my podcast where I deep dive into matters surrounding HR tech and the future of work. I was a former HR serial entrepreneur and write extensively about the future of work on my blog. You may know me better through the Singapore HR Tech Market Map that I created in 2017. In this podcast, I speak with the people who are enabling the future of work. From mindfulness coach to employee engagement platform, they are all helping companies to better navigate rising work and business demands. I'm hoping that sharing in this podcast will help you better prepare yourself and your business for what the future of work may bring. Hi Amit, thank you for coming onto the show.
1: Thank you very much for having me Adrian, thanks and uh, pleasure to be
0: here. Pleasure so mine. To begin with, could you help the audience to understand a bit about yourself and the chain of events that led you to where you are today with Unit
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a British-born national, so I've actually I lived in the UK until about two thousand and six, two thousand and seven, at which point I was working for a, a software company that provided solutions to the education markets. Usually they were covering universities enrollment software. That actually led me to taking a role with that same company to Washington DC. So I spent almost a year in Washington, DC came back to London, and then they posted me in, in Melbourne. Interestingly, in Melbourne, I've done a lot of business with, with companies in, in Singapore and Southeast Asia, which then actually led me then to moving to Singapore. And then I've been in Singapore permanently since 2009, so almost 12 years now. Whilst in Singapore, I've had a, a couple of roles more really around um, business process transformation, working with organisations in shared services and, and BPO space and helping them. Um, transform their organisations from a technology and people perspective. Since then, I've also, in more recently, and I say more recently, probably the last six or seven years have been focused primarily on the HCM and, and payroll and talent space. Most recently, as you'll know, is with Unit Four covering ProSoft, which is the uh, which is the HR software that we provide. So that that's what, what's got me from London to. Singapore and been here the last 12 years. I'm a permanent resident of Singapore, happily married with a young
0: child as well. I think it would be great for us to start off on helping people to understand the difference between uniform 4 and ProSoft because it seems to be used quite interchangeably. Maybe for the final time, could you help us to better understand what is the key difference between uniform 4 and ProSoft? How did this two come about?
1: Yeah, okay. It's it's a good question. One, one that I get quite often. So I'm hoping that I can help elaborate on that. So Unit 4 is actually a Dutch software company. It was founded more than 40 years ago for mainframe applications to start with. And then, of course, in that 40 years has has grown organically and through through strategic acquisitions as well. I guess one of the strategic acquisitions has been ProSoft. So as, as a background, ProSoft is, and ma- many people may not know this, is, is a locally Singapore-founded software company uh, founded by Uh, A husband and wife, I believe in 19... It's about 30 years ago, so I think it was 1988. That organization focused primarily on sort of payroll and attendance, and Unit 4 made the acquisition of ProSoft in 2011, which is why it's been re... Well, I say rebranded. The name ProSoft still exists, but it's just called Unit 4 ProSoft. So I hope that explains in a bit of detail. So Unit 4 is obviously an organization that made an acquisition of ProSoft. So they're... I guess... In theory, is one company, it's just the name that, that is there. And, and of course, Unit 4, in, in the last 10 years, or the last decade, that since the acquisition, have um, spent uh, a lot of time and effort on further developing what was a, a very sort of robust attendance and payroll application into leading end-to-end core HR platform. So the investment that Unit 4 has made into ProSoft has been quite significant and continues today as well, and we serve mid and large enterprises.
0: So the ProSoft that we know of it today, how how different is it from the one that has was acquired? What are key significant changes, improvements that people can expect when they look at ProSoft today?
1: Yes, I fundamentally quite a number of changes. When the business was acquired ten years ago, it was primarily a an on-prem solution that was it was it, what we're seeing really is that it was more of an administrative tool rather than what it is today is more more of an enterprise enterprise tool that focuses on um, strategic HR as well as administrative as well uh, I guess from uh first of all from 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 ProSoft perspective we have made a lot of changes moving from on-prem to having cloud customers to then now having a strategy of being cloud only has been one of the one of the key changes so i think that has happened a lot the type of customer base as well i think has changed years ago prior to the acquisition a lot of our customers were small medium businesses which we still cater for to today however what we have been able to do is climb up the chain and start to count mid and large enterprises as customers as well so i guess that that's been the the sort of fundamental change in in the product and the the types of customers have been that that we've added to the to the portfolio
0: what's the key benefits of going full cloud and also i'll be interested to learn about how your on-premise clients are taking it because from what i hear when oracle tried to do the same thing it was quite a jarring experience for some of their on-premise clients
1: yeah but oracle didn't do it through a pandemic Good <laughs> point. <Mike. laughs> i would i would say let me answer your first question first the benefits of clouds are In in layman's terms, it takes uh, away a lot of the pain that you have internally. Having to manage an application on-premise, that comes with having to maintain servers, having to keep them cool, having to do updates, patches, and take care of things like security, for example. And, of course, there is the the question of things like disaster recovery, what happens if the server goes down. All of that goes away with, with SaaS, right, because the application is managed and maintained by the vendor. We, of course, have contracts with third-party vendors that, that help us do that. So that's probably one of the main things for my from a company perspective, in in terms of managing and maintaining an application, Cloud, cloud basically does that for you. The most important part as well is, is that the application from an update perspective, what we're doing and, and one of our, our strategies with, with the new version of, of the ProSoft application is that it's cloud only. So a number of things that, that happen in that are new features, new functionality can be rolled out to customers rapidly so they don't have to wait for somebody in IC to roll out the update I think the what we're doing with the native application or the native cloud application is is that we're, we're you know we're seen or have previously been seen as being more of an administrative HR tool with the cloud experience what we're what, what we are pivoting towards is it's being built with user experience at the forefront and that's combined with the power of the back end that has made ProSoft so reliable for hundreds of customers in the region so I think that those sort of are the, are the key areas why we have decided to do that there's a benefit for the customer like I say from the management of the application and infrastructure and of course being able to roll out um, new changes and that includes features functionality but also importantly statutory changes as well.
0: So based on your projected timeline when do you foresee that the on-premise solution will be deprecated?
1: We started the year 2019 with about 80% of our customers that were on premise and about 20% obviously remaining remaining 20% on on SaaS. We in the last sort of couple of years have made a huge amount of Change in terms of perspective of customers, especially those that were on prem. And we have actually migrated a majority of our customers now. I'd say about 70, 65 to 70% of our customers are now SaaS customers, and 30% are remaining on prem. We envisage that in the next six to 12 months, we will have a number. Closer to probably 90, 95% on SaaS, with the remaining few on-premise, and and the plan is of course that we we plan to be a cloud-only company, so to deliver the the application on on from, from a cloud perspective, that also in, in enhances the the experience that that our users have as well. So I think that has been a, a major change, and as you mentioned earlier, Oracle tried and failed. Um, we of course did not envisage this happening so quickly, but the pandemic has seriously accelerated people's view on on cloud and the the ability to be able to, to to access a whole host of systems through the cloud. So I think that has been very important in in our strategy as well.
0: That that's a massive undertaking, as many people may not be aware. Moving an on-premise solution to or even trying to come up with a cloud version is not as simple as just installing it onto a cloud server. You literally have to build things up from scratch. And then trying to take another massive exercise to migrate and convince all your clients to consider the cloud version, which of course, by itself would be massively useful but from a user perspective many people are just so resistant to change and i've seen so many users who are not just on the user side but even from the vendor side where they're still trying to peddle their on-premise solution which is tough and from one of our pre-call i do understand that one of the key things with this cloud solution that has enabled is something called the microservices what exactly is microservices and how does it benefit the end user? Yeah,
1: look, I think microservices has multiple definitions and, and, and in the interest of keeping it as simple as possible today you have one system with nine different modules in there and they're all built in inside that same box so if you need to change something you have to go in in the box and mess around with everything in that box microservices basically one system uh, so there is one box but then has individual boxes inside of that if payroll was one of them or attendance was one of them you then don't have to meddle inside the whole box you can basically look at individual boxes so in in short there are individual components that, that work together to deliver an overall solution. And if you want to change things in there, you don't then have to to, to undo the whole application you can basically do it as uh, as components so that it doesn't then affect any part of the system and things like data privacy etc can be protected as well so microservices actually a huge part of our our strategy with prosoft as well and majority of that will be also delivering statutory and compliance through microservices so being able to linking with direct links with people like IRAS for tax submission being able to also provide compliance up etc. So all of that will be part of the microservices strategy.
0: I also understand with this uh, new direction that you guys are heading, there's also new features that you have built in. One of it would be talent management. Could you share a bit more on that? Why talent management specifically and what's the unique play that you guys have on talent management?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So talent management hasn't really been a strong focus point for us up until a few years ago and as i mentioned our our strength has always been seen to be as the um, more administrative part of HR, payroll calculation, attendance, clock in, leave and claim submissions, and, and calculating those into payroll. However, about three years ago, Unit Four made an acquisition of an organization in Belgium called Intuo. We've now actually integrated that uh, across the across the organization, and that encompasses things like engagement, performance, learning, I, and I would consider these more of strategic HR modules. So stepping away a little bit from administrative HR and how do we now help our, our, our customers then become more strategic in terms of how they can develop people, how they can engage people. Again, the pandemic, I think, has shed a lot of light on employee engagement. How do you connect with employees whilst working remotely? The other thing that's come up, in, and I guess more recently, as, as recent as the last set of 12 months, is retaining talent. In Singapore, for example, there, there is of course with lockdowns and restrictions the talent that's on the island is all that we have now for the time being so companies are finding that it is ever more important to to identify talent within your organization how do you develop that talent how do you retain that talent and i think that the tools that we're we're, we're adding to the to the ProSoft portfolio will enable organizations to do that so with the talent management platform we have signed about a dozen of our install base onto onto the talent platforms now who are uh, starting to use the talent platform. And, and we will be releasing some, some case studies very soon about that. So please do look out for those.
0: Are there some of the better practices or maybe some of the bad practices that you observe across companies that you've spoken with who are trying to embark on talent management and also quite interested to find out what are some of the better talent management practices that Unit 4 actually has as well?
1: Organisations usually make the error in, in, in terms of change management. Are the are people in the organisation aware of what talent management is? How do we roll out the programmes and, and what is the benefit of these programmes? Quite often, companies get excited, they'll roll out the programme and then nothing happens after six months and people stop using it. And then, is that... A regional problem or is it a global problem? I think we see it a lot more in Asia Pacific than anywhere else because a lot of the organisations that we talk to are used to paper-based appraisals once a year, uh, you sit down with your manager at the end of the year they give you a score you leave the office then you know that's all it is what we're seeing now is ongoing live feedback and ongoing talent management and ongoing discussions with your manager and, and objectives are discussed on sometimes on a monthly weekly even on a daily basis so there's definitely a change in in that and the talent management platform that we have Definitely allows you to do that from a from an engagement perspective. You can set how you want to do that. So that's what we're seeing. But fundamentally, what we also see is that the failure usually occurs when change management is not not clearly articulated to to the whole organization on 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 a talent program.
0: I remember having a discussion from the director at Kadena where. Uh, an entire project was scrapped off because the payroll people were just not too bought in to the idea of having a new payroll system. I'm sure you guys have also implemented your talent management software within the company. What are some of the key things that HR or business leaders should pay attention to?
1: Yeah, so I think one one of the most important things is, is identifying what are the key objectives of your customer. Most of the time, they'll have multiple objectives and think they can solve everything in, in, in one strike. The way that we work with our customers, we're not an organization that we we don't want to the... We're not in it to sell everything all at once. We understand the value of showing showing wins for the customer, and then you're able to then build trust and then be able to, to build stronger relationships with the customers. We usually map out a strategy jointly with the customers, objectives that they want to hit, and then provide solutions based on those objectives. We, we again, we break it up into bite-sized pieces so that um, they're not becoming overwhelmed. And also then the change management becomes um, a lot easier for organizations to roll out as well. You get good at two or three things First, and then you can start to add uh, more complexity or more more features and functions later on. So I think start to walk before you can run is the message that we, we try to give customers and try to align it to their strategy as well. And I think that has been the key why we've been very successful with, with rolling these out to customers.
0: I think something that many companies may also have overlooked is the, what's in it for me. Many people would just be seeing things from a very cynical lens. Whatever change that's going to happen, it should benefit me to some extent, which yeah. I guess is why the previous example I mentioned, it didn't work out because the people would be thinking, with this new software, my job will be gone. So what's in it for me? That's nothing. So obviously, I wouldn't be very much inclined to the kind of change that you would want to put me through. Now, back on to the topic of cloud. I just want to get an opinion on uh, recent news. Maybe not so recent, but it came out uh, a, a few weeks ago, uh, in which Amazon is dropping one of the leading cloud HRMS software, and this is quite a big thing because it's over the internet. It actually caused the share price of workday to fall. Are they going on-premise? Not so sure. Little is shared beyond an announcement. Given experience in this space, what is of speculation? What actually went wrong here? That's a
1: good question. There's a whole host of things that could have happened in that. I think when you're talking about the... The size of a company like Amazon, it, it, it's a complex organization. That there's, it's a big organization. I'm not sure whether whether it, it's got anything to do with it. it. It may be when you look at organizations like Worktail, or Success Factors, great organizations have a great product. But what organizations who are buying these sort of large, these large sort of h products, they typically are signing up for a Workday or a success factors roadmap. And if there's changes that need to be made, it, it, it's going to be very difficult, right? So you're going to adapt your... And if you're not ready to adapt your processes to the software, then you're going to have a problem. And again, I don't know if this was the reason or not, but I would expect that Amazon, as, as a large organisation, has some pretty... I would say pretty you know diverse and complex processes that maybe workday as as an as a software vendor probably was not able to adapt. so if you're a big company like Amazon, it's very difficult to then you know change all your processes to fit a software. so that could have been one of the reasons and like said, there's lots and lots of different reasons that it could have been but that's one of the ones that we see from a lot of organizations who when we're competing with people like uh, a workday or a uh, success factors, that's some of the reason that we're getting is that when signing up, they're having to, to basically sign up to the vendor's roadmap and not particularly the vision that they want to, to fulfill. So a bit of a difference in, in the way that we work versus some of the global vendors.
0: What would be your advice for companies like Amazon that might be looking to implement another major big HR software? What are the steps that you think they might have missed out, or the kind of conversations that they overlooked, which led to where they are today? Yeah, to me
1: it sounds. If if that was the reason, it almost sounds like a one size does not fit all for them, or, or one solution does not fit all, and and that's okay because now in in the world there are lots of um, APIs, lots of integrations that can be done between systems. So you don't necessarily have to have one system that does all of the things that you want it to do. There's lots of best of breed systems out there that can be integrated and can talk to each other. And that allows you to be uh, very flexible from, you know, country to country or from region to region as well, because there are different needs and wants as well. And if one if one... Software cannot fulfil all of those. Then there are options around that, where uh, by you can look at best of breed systems that, and then look at integration. And and people used to shy away from integration or, or be worried about integration because it adds risk. Now I think with the the way technology has developed, the integration um, capabilities are, are you know, far exceeding what what they were you know, even five or 10 years ago. So I think that is something that people can bear in mind is that you don't need a solution that can do everything if it's not going to help your organization. What, what you need to look at is how your organization functions and what is the best for your organization to not only function, but to continue to grow and do all of the things that you want to do.
0: Thank you so much for that amazing tip. I'm very certain a lot of HR people out there especially buyers who are looking for such software will be keen to take this on in their journey to get the right software for the company now uh, going back to ProSoft so what's next for ProSoft what's on the roadmap and what are the things that we can expect for the rest of this year as well as next year
1: a couple of things one we're, we're working obviously the launch of v9 has has already taken place we we have Already started signing customers onto onto V9. An important aspect of of V9 also is the the ability for us to. Host on um, Microsoft Azure, which allows us to be SOC two certified, which is the highest level of, of cloud security. That certification is is, is taking place uh, now, so we should have that in the next in the next couple of months, which brings basically brings peace of mind to customers. In terms of from a product perspective, we are aligning the user interface, so we're making it much more user friendly. The other thing that we're seeing a lot more of is that organizations before they make a decision on any software are getting users involved so that again from a change management perspective making sure users are comfortable with the interface how it works how they can navigate a lot of work is being done on the on the user interface so it already is much much better than what what we had previously, but we are continuing to develop and enhance that. The other area that we're focusing on is is adding more on our mobile apps as well. So a lot of uh, a lot of additional things that that are going to be added to the roadmap from a from a mobile perspective. Yeah, that's pretty much it. We, the, the whole development team I know is busy with a with a bunch of things. We have we have in a month or so our Forex for You conference that's taking place, whereby we will also be presenting the the roadmap in that in that session as well.
0: I'm very looking forward to all that coming out as well as the case studies that you mentioned earlier on in the call. So lastly, before we leave, for people who's interested to find out more about what you do as well as Unifor, where can you go to?
1: We have also the, the Unifor website. So Unifor uh website has a has a section for ProSoft as well. So do do reach out there. Feel free to con- connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm sure Adrian will have my link on the on the profile, and reach out. We're more than happy to have a discussion. More than happy to connect you with people that you'd want to talk to from our customer base. If you wanted to get advice from our customers, more than happy to share that information with you
0: as well. Thank you so much for this, and more will be added into the show notes. Once again, Amit, thank you for coming on to the show. Thank you very much, Adrian. Thank you for listening to the podcast. You can refer to the show notes for links to more information about our guests and their businesses. If you enjoyed this podcast, it will be helpful to give a review on iTunes or follow me on Spotify. If you're using Overcast, please hit the star button under the episode. That will help get this episode and podcast out to more people who may find it useful. I'll see you in the next episode of the Agent Hunt Show.